case. Hope Not Hates are basically controlling Britain. Hope Not Hate, an alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backward thinking, virtue, sick, virtue signaling, fake news create. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. We've got a really, really interesting episode today. It's going to be a special looking at Tory party Islamophobia. Uh, and it's a really special episode as later in the show we'll be joined by former Labour Party leader, former Chancellor of the Exchequer for many years and of course former Prime Minister Gordon Brown uh, and asking him what he thinks about Conservative Party Islamophobia. I'm joined here today by uh, my colleague Matthew McGregor who is looking somewhat bleary-eyed as he's just arrived back from North America. Um, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling a bit dazed to be honest, but um, it was a good trip, a good conference, uh, speaking to people there working on counter-extremism, but it's definitely good to be good to be back, proper bacon sandwich this morning. He's the, uh, the real jet set. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why don't you start us off actually, Matthew, we, uh, we've done some really interesting and really concerning polling recently of the Tory party and look, looking at the issue of Islamophobia and, and we've got the results back. So maybe the easiest thing to do is for you to run through some of the findings and let us know yeah. uh, what came out of it. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been concerned about Islamophobia in the Conservative Party f- for a while uh, uh, in the same way that we're concerned about racism uh, uh, in, in other mainstream parties as well. We've been talking about the anti-Semitism uh, crisis that the Labour Party has. There have been instances of Islamophobia in the Liberal Democrats as well, and obviously the work that we've done on UKIP and the Brexit Party in the past. But Islamophobia in the Conservative Party has been an acute uh, issue for them and um, has kind of manifested itself in media stories around uh, councillors being suspended, leading party activists uh, being the subject of complaints, a a specific problem around the party uh, not really dealing with those complaints in a systematic uh, and an aggressive uh, way despite the lip service that they've paid. So as part of the uh, uh, you know growing interest in the Conservative Party's leadership contest, uh, we commissioned YouGov to uh, do an opinion poll of Conservative Party members. And some of the questions we asked them, uh, those members, were around uh, issues of uh, Islamophobia. And the, there were kind of three, three things uh, that came out of that uh, polling that I think are, are, are really concerning. The, the first thing is Conservative Party members uh, uh, buy into... Islamophobic myths. Uh, 67% of uh, Conservative Party members believe the lie that there are areas in Britain that operate under uh, Sharia law. Uh, Only 18% of of Conservative Party members don't believe uh, in that lie. 45% of Conservative Party members believe the lie that there are areas in Britain in which uh, non-Muslims are not allowed to enter as opposed to 34% who don't believe uh, that that's the case. So it's really concerning that members are, are buying into these myths, these uh, kind of Islamophobic uh, uh, tropes that are, are pushed about. Uh, you see them in the media sometimes and they're, they're definitely being picked up by members. And it's worth just, just touching on those. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the kind of... We spend our day looking at the far right and where a lot of what a lot of this stuff started off in kind of pretty niche far right circles, so no-go zones. And if you think just back just a few years ago when people talked about no-go zones in the press, there was real backlash. I mean, I remember David Cameron coming out and condemning People like Daniel Pipes, I think it was in North America, who talked about no-go zones in the UK, and it was a big story saying this is this is in, you know this is nonsense, which of course it is. Um, but it seems to have been one of those Islamophobic tropes which has become increasingly mainstream, increasingly accepted, uh, and it's really worrying. And I mean, these numbers on those issues—they're just showing 
how far that's creeped, you know. Yeah, it's definitely moved from being the kind of uh, worldview of Katie Hopkins' conspiracy theory videos, uh, the darker reaches of the internet, now into being a really dominant view amongst got to remember, these are the people who will decide who Britain's next Prime Minister yeah. uh, will be. So that's the first thing, uh, myths. The second thing is uh, just an outright level, high level of hostility and suspicion towards the, the, the Muslim community. 39% of Conservative Party members believe that, uh, quote, Isl- Islamist terrorists reflect a widespread hostility to Britain amongst the Muslim community. So almost, almost four in ten members... Uh, view the entire Muslim community as being responsible for the acts of a tiny, tiny, tiny minority. That's really, really um, uh, frightening. Uh, uh, Conservative Party members, we asked a question about uh, immigration. Should there be more immigration or less immigration from from different communities to try and compare how uh, members um, uh, uh, viewed those communities in the context of of the issue of of immigration? Just 3% of members say that immigration policy should be geared towards higher Muslim immigration, compared to 12% uh, uh, for people fleeing uh, war, 16% for Jewish people, and 25% for, for Christians. So I, I think that's, that question is less about um, the positives or negatives of immigration and more about uh, providing people with an opportunity to, to sort of compare and contrast between the different, different communities and obviously a much higher level of hostility towards uh, Muslims than than other um, uh, uh, faiths and other groups. And then finally, we asked a question about um, the prospect of a Muslim becoming prime minister. Remember that there is actually a, a Sajid Javid, uh, someone with a Muslim heritage, standing in the elections. He was knocked out by the time this poll uh, went into the field. But just 8% of people agreed with the statement, I would be proud of Britain if we were to elect a Muslim as our prime minister. That's against 43% of people who said, I would prefer to not have the country led by a Muslim. I mean, that's, I think that's probably the most shocking one, considering an awful lot of these people who were polled will probably vote for Boris Johnson. Um, they'd rather have Boris Johnson than any Muslim. Um, and I think when we've, we've obviously been doing a lot of polling over the last, I don't know, since about 2011 on the issue of Islamophobia across society. And what I think this reflects is, is a more extreme version of, lot, uh, of what we're seeing, perhaps more broadly, unfortunately, which is, Generally speaking, attitudes towards immigration have got more progressive in many ways over the last 10 years or so. But Islam and Muslims are seen as distinctly different, as distinctly hostile. And um, we saw that if you kind of do polling across of society, Islam, again, is, it has more negative views towards Muslims in Islam than any other religious group. I think it's about it's about 10% on the poll we did in April. Um, but these figures are really, really scary, as you say, because, of course, these are the people that will be picking our prime minister in the coming weeks. And... Um, I guess they're shocking, but I guess the question is, are they surprising? Should, should we have perhaps... Well, I think many of us, when we first got these results back, were, were pretty shocked by them. I don't know, I don't know if you felt the same. I, but. I think there's a, a phenomenon um, that, for me, started with some of the things that Donald Trump uh, was doing in 2015 and 2016 and, and since. This sort of phenomenon of being shocked but not surprised. Yeah. These numbers don't surprise me because of the things you've been talking about, the increasing prevalence of these kinds of lies and myths and, and examples of racism online, in, uh, in social media, and creeping into the media. But we should never lose our shock at what is, what is happening. Yeah. Um, 
uh, the Conservative Party, I, I, you know, I, I'm not a, a supporter of the Conservative Party. I'm not, um, this is not that's not breaking any news. <laughs> um, but the Conservative Party has a long tradition of um, uh, to- tolerance uh, in, in many ways uh, uh, t- towards um, uh, other communities. I know there are lots of examples of where that isn't the case, but lots you, used the, you yeah. used the example earlier of David Cameron fighting back against yeah. those Islamophobic tropes. Um, and I think there are people in the Conservative Party who have, you know, that one nation tradition. Um, and for this to be happening to the Conservative Party, I think is is really really alarming. They're the party of government, and they're they are the these are the people who are choosing um, the next prime minister. And I think that we we must retain our shock, even if we're not uh, massively surprised. And so the the question for me is, well, what do we what do we do about it? Um, uh, Saeed Avazi and uh, other members of the Conservative Party who are uh, Muslim uh, or from Muslim heritage have been calling for an investigation. We've supported that call. And we asked uh, this third set of questions in the polling that we asked was around what should the Conservative Party do about it? And this is, I think, uh, another uh, really alarming um, set of results. Only 8% of Conservative Party members think that there is a problem with of Islamophobia or racism towards Muslims within the party. 79% uh, of respondents say there isn't a problem. And only 15% of Conservative Party members uh, say that they that the party should be doing more to combat Islamophobia, as opposed to 76% who say that the party's already doing all it reasonably can. Um, so, I mean, that, that to me is a, is a really a worrying thing. You can't tackle a problem if you don't think the problem is there. I agree, and, and I think it's really important what you say, that we shouldn't stop being shocked by it. But, but I mean, if we actually look at, I guess, who, who are these people that we were polled on this, maybe it becomes a bit more understandable. If we look at the Tory membership, as I say, the people that are going to be voting in the next Prime Minister, um, you know, the average age is 57, but four out of ten of people in the Conservative Party membership are over 65 years old. So again, if you put... If you look at general attitudes towards Muslims in British society, the old, old, older generations often have more sceptical positions. 60% live in the southeast or London or, or the east or the southwest. So it's again, it's a very southern constituency. Um, 97% of it is white. I think when is it, 10% of the British population is from an ethnic minority background. So this is a disproportionate group, uh, sorry, uh, you know, a not representative section of people. It's economically well off. It's ABC1, you know, on the NRS social grade, it's over 86%. Um, and it's not a particularly progressive bunch that is self-identify as right wing. Mm. Um, I think when the the recent uh, polling around it is they self-identify as a membership to the right of UKIP. Um, only fifteen percent believe the government should redistribute income, for example. So yeah. this is not a this is this is a generally older white middle class and upper middle class white group of men. Um, so in one sense, it's no great surprise when you look at all of the evidence around things like Islamophobia and prejudice in society that they might have higher levels of prejudice. But then this makes it all the more scary when, of course, you know, when we're, lots of people are sitting around going, surely a man who says, you know, or women who, who wear the headscarf look like a, a post box or whatever he said, surely he'll never get elected in the United Kingdom. Um, but this is the group of people that will be choosing him and these are the attitudes of that, that group of people. And, and so it goes from being very unlikely to very likely, yeah. I think. And I, and I think this is the thing, like, there, there can be, um, uh, you know, Party activists on 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 both sides, media figures can sometimes be a bit too cute in their thinking. You know, it's you know Boris Johnson could never be elected prime minister. You know, it would be great if they elect someone who's so extreme and so you know such an oddball. But you know, I've seen that movie before. <laughs> president Donald Trump. Yeah, I remember the day that um, 
uh, day or around the time that Donald Trump became the nominee, uh, Jim Messina, who was the campaign manager for uh, Barack Obama in 2012 and uh, worked for David Cameron uh, and on the Remain side in the referendum on, on Brexit, uh, he tweeted, this is great news. This is fantastic news for Democrats that Donald Trump has been selected as the nominee because he's way too extreme to get um, elected by the American people. And we've seen uh, the implications of that uh, ever since. So I think it is a deep worry. I mean, one to, just to reinforce your point, another question we asked uh, was on a scale of zero to 100, you know, how favourable or unfavourable do you view Nigel Farage? 62% of Conservative Party members have a favourable or very favourable view of Nigel Farage. This is someone who is uh, dangerous and divisive, has used racism and Islamophobia as a wedge issue to try and uh, secure elections. I think it's deeply concerning for the country, but also for the future of a mainstream uh, a Conservative Party, that the members, again, the people who will select our next Prime Minister hold such favourable views of someone who is so unpleasant. Yeah, and, and I think one of the really important points is quite often, I think in the last 10 years, is we've looked to Europe or looked across the continent and said, why is it that they have rising radical right populist parties and we haven't? Now the Brexit party's obviously changed that, but that's been a long-standing narrative. You know, you had the AFD turning up in Germany, you had Front National in France, Swedish Democrats, Liga in Italy, uh, and we didn't need that. But of course, maybe one of the reasons that we might start to look, uh, consider is uh, we, don't, we didn't need one. We didn't need a radical right populist party when, if you don't like Muslims, the Conservative Party seems to be at home. So um, I think maybe we should kind of row back a little bit on our confidence that, that many people in Britain have had over the last 10 years and said we're, we're better than a lot of these countries in Europe when actually this poll this polling seems to indicate that these views have pretty views that would be pretty indistinguishable from parties like the AFD on Muslims, you know. Yeah. And someone who's been um, sounding the alarm on that and about the, the rise of, of populism and the populist right is former Prime Minister Gordon Brown. Uh, we held, we helped organise an event yesterday in Westminster in which he gave a great speech about um, those issues and you had a chance to talk to him afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I asked him, uh, basically because he talked about this polling in his speech, um, which was really impressive. So, um, yeah, let's let's have a listen. So we just heard a really passionate speech, and one of the things you mentioned in the speech was, was Hope Not Hate's recent polling around Islamophobia in the Tory party, which I think lots of people are worried about. But you've also talked really passionately about Labour Party anti-Semitism as well. How worried should we be about prejudice in, in our major parties, and, and what can we do about it? I think any form of racism is to be deplored. If it's anti-Jewish racism or if it's anti-Islamic racism, uh, both are to be deplored. And I think we've really got to think about a strategy that can start with the schools and end up perhaps with better laws, particularly relating to the internet where we seem to have a lawless area, uh, that will protect minorities, uh, that will safeguard um, uh, the uh, rule of law, uh, and that will ensure that there is no discrimination and persecution and uh, uh, really um, the demonising of either immigrants or foreigners or Europeans or minorities within our country. And I think it's very important that we understand that this debate about the future of Britain that's happening at the moment is not just a debate about its economy, it's a debate about the values that we think are important. And the values that I think uh, British people would, if um, we talked about it more, stand by are values of tolerance, are values of respect for diversity, of values of being outward looking and engaged with the world and being fair minded. 
uh, and these are not uh, values that promote intolerance or discrimination or the targeting or demonising of other people or the hijacking of patriotism uh, for political purposes. And you mentioned about essentially there's kind of two visions for Britain that are competing at the moment and I guess the question is how do we make sure that our vision of Britain, the kind of progressive, the inclusive vision of Britain, not the divisive of, of vision of Nigel Farage, how do we make sure we win that? It's important to talk about it and I think what Hope Not Hate can do is put this uh, set of uh, arguments out into the open and say look, uh, some people uh, are hijacking patriotism by saying that we are best when we stand alone, we're best when we are um, exclusive rather than inclusive, uh, we're best uh, when we um, uh, are detached uh, from the rest of the world, uh, whereas we stand for a vision where we are tolerant, we are outward looking, we are respectful of diversity and we are fair minded. And I think if that is what is put to the British people, instead of uh, coded attacks on this group or that, but we have out in the open this debate about what kind of Britain, there are two views of Britain, please look at these views and decide what kind of Britain you want us to be. Do you want us to be what we have been seen by the world as being for many, many centuries, but particularly in the last uh, century, as, as tolerant, as engaged in Europe and engaged in the world, uh, or are we going to be seen as intolerant and uh, looking in on ourselves, indeed turning in on ourselves, something that I think is not what it is to be a British citizen. Really interesting chat and I would recommend as, as well as listening to this and, and hearing kind of the answers to the few quick questions we had there with him, it's worth checking out the, the longer speech um, which I'm sure will be online and it got picked up on the, in the across the press really so so check that out. Um, what did you think of it Matthew having listened there? I mean uh, he's, he's still got it. Um, I think that his analysis is, is really astute. The point that I, I think is really important to um, uh, pull out of, of those comments is his point about um, uh, speaking up for a vision um, uh, of tolerance and, and, and hope. And that goes for not just people who, um, like us, uh, he, he sort of specifically said hope not hate and, and we will continue to do that, obviously. Um, but that also goes for the, the leadership candidates and other leading members of the Conservative Party. I, I, I don't think that um, people like Sajid Javid and Jeremy Hunt and uh, 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 you know, other leading members of the Conservative Party share these Islamophobic views uh, with their members, and they have a choice. They can either, um, uh, you know, cower uh, behind the fact that um, these people are electing the next Prime Minister, or they can show leadership. Mm. Um, uh, leaders uh, can follow their memberships uh, in, in, in down dark paths, or they can try and lead them um, out. And I think that's what we've been calling for um, when we put this polling out, we wrote to Jeremy Hunt, we wrote to Boris Johnson, and we said, you have a chance to show some leadership. You want to lead the Conservative Party, but you also want to lead the whole country. Yeah. Uh, and in leading the whole country, you need to stand up for British values of tolerance and respect. And that means saying to your own members and to the country, we won't uh, uh, abide by these kinds of um, uh, uh, you know, Islamophobic uh, myths and lies. 
uh, and show leadership. They should hold an investigation into Islamophobia in the Conservative Party. They need to be much more transparent about how they are tackling Islamophobia. What definition do they have of Islamophobia when they're looking at these uh, complaints? How are they deciding whether to suspend or expel members? What are they doing to proactively uh, uh, move members away from holding these really divisive and dangerous uh, views? So I thought that point was really uh, spot on and I, and I hope that people from across the political spectrum hear it, but I think especially the case for the leadership candidates in the Conservative Party race. One of the things, that, yeah, I mean, and I agree, and I think one of the things that came through in, in Mr. Brown, do I call him? Gordon, do I call him? Um, Gordon's... TV. <laughs> uh, Mr. Prime Minister. Well, one of the things he talked about, and I think this will be one of the things that many people listening to the podcast will probably be screaming down their phones as they listen, is, is you know, oh, well, it's all good and well talking about Tory party Islamophobia, but what about Labour Party anti-Semitism? Mm -hmm. And Gordon Brown talked about it briefly. And some of the stats you read out there earlier when you were talking about Islamophobia, some of them sounded like similar problems, especially the issue around people in the party not thinking there's a problem. I wonder if there's some parallels there. Do you think that what we're talking about here with Tory party Islamophobia is comparable to what people are talking about as Labour Party anti-Semitism? Is it the same? Where are there differences? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think, you know, I, as I said at the beginning, we will call out racism wherever we find it, in mainstream parties, in fringe groups, uh, wherever. And we have done that about the Labour Party because they have got a, a real uh, crisis on their hands. As Mike Katz, the chair of uh, the Jewish Labour Movement, said on, on this podcast a, a few weeks ago, there is a denial at the, at the leadership of the Labour Party in the same way that there is a denialism um, in the Conservative Party. And I think there's, that comparison is, is absolutely spot on. Both parties need to do much more the Labour Party is being subject to uh, an investigation by the EHRC, uh, and I hope that um, the outcome of that is uh, a real action by the Labour Party, either voluntarily or imposed on it. Um, but we don't have that kind of investigation going on in the Conservative Party, and there needs to be an investigation to get to the bottom of why have they got this crisis and what are they going to do about it. But I think that there are different... Like, in a deeper analysis of it, I think there's different things going on between the two parties. I get the sense that uh, while we don't have in-depth polling of Labour Party members, um, what is going on in the, in the Labour Party is that a very small number of people have developed anti-Semitic uh, opinions, uh, either because they've bought into anti-Semitic tropes like the Rothschild uh, uh, trope, or because of um, uh, the anti-Semitism that can uh, emerge from anti-Zionism and campaigning around uh, Israel and Palestine but that is a small number of people who are close to the leadership of the party, um, um, who are uh, kind of acting as a block on action taking place. And I don't think it represents uh, widespread anti-Semitism amongst Labour Party members, and I don't think it represents widespread anti-Semitism amongst Labour Party voters. That's not to minimise it at all. I think no, there's I mean, a real crisis going on. But if you compare that to the Conservative Party side, I think the inverse is true. We know from polling that Conservative Party voters believe Islamophobic myths. We now know from this polling that Conservative Party members believe Islamophobic myths and hold Islamophobic views. But I think if you looked at the leadership of the Conservative Party, I think that they're, while I disagree with them on a whole range of things, I don't think that we've got evidence of um, uh, leading members of their cabinet and others holding Islamophobic views. The one exception to that 
uh, or, or the big standout exception to that is Boris Johnson himself, who might become the leader of the party uh, in just a couple of weeks. He has a long history, not just the uh, Islamophobic comments he made about Muslim women recently, but a long history over the course of his journalistic career of making racist uh, uh, comments. So I think that at the moment there's this sort of there is a difference between the the two. Both face a real crisis, but uh, manifesting itself in in different ways. That might change if Boris Johnson becomes prime minister. I think yeah. I mean I think that's really really astute analysis, and and um, it is easy to kind of say these these two things are similar thing. I mean at an overarching level, we're talking about kind of institutionalized prejudice in parties, um, either of which are either in power or could be in power, and that's really really worrying. I mean how we got here. It seems to, I don't know, it feels like to many people it's come out of a clear blue sky almost in the last few years, but clearly these are things that have been festering for a very, very long time. Um, I think we're going to probably wrap things up there. I mean, uh, I think this is just the start of a conversation or a, the continuation of a conversation that's going to be going for some time. I mean, we're going to continue to look at both Labour Party anti-Semitism and Tory Party Islamophobia. We'll continue to do research on it and we're going to continue to try and find ways to, to get on top of it and, and deal with it. Um, we'd love you to get more involved we'd love you to kind of come on board if you enjoy the sort of work we're doing and if you enjoy the podcast please join the Hope Action Fund um, you can do that on our website and you can give a small amount of money each week and, and it allows us to do this sort of research and shine a light on these sorts of issues please do share the podcast it's growing, it's getting there we're, we're moving forward with it, people are signing up please keep sharing it on social media platforms get your mum to sign up, your dad to sign up your kids to sign up, whoever um, and please leave a review uh, partly because it makes us feel better about ourselves, but also um, supposedly there's some sort of tech algorithm that makes uh, more people find it if you write very nice things about us all over the internet. Um, so please do that. And please come back next time. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Uh, thanks for listening.